God is going to move in people's lives. Amen. Welcome again, everybody. Glad to see you all. Let's get into it. If you have your Bible, would you take it out? If you need your Bible, uh, Bible, raise your hand. The ushers will get them to you. Hold it up nice and high. Let's go ahead together. Ready, go. This is my Bible. It is my primary source of spiritual nourishment. I will read it every day and become all that God wants me to be. My mind will be renewed. My life will be transformed. I will become fully surrendered to Christ. Therefore, I will hide his word in my heart so I can be all that God has destined me to be. Amen. If you were to remain standing in honor of God's word, Judges chapter number 16. Are you ready for the word today? I am so excited about preaching today. Even though I enjoyed preaching with my wife for the last two weeks, I felt like uh, somebody who had training wheels on. Not because I was, because of my wife, that was wonderful, and, but I, I love to preach the word of God, and I felt like I just couldn't preach, so get ready, here it comes. Judges chapter number 16, beginning in verse 15. Then she said to him, how can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times and have not told me where your great strength lies. And it came to pass when she pestered him daily with her words and pressed him so that his soul was vexed to death, that he told her all his heart, and he said to her, no razor has ever come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaven, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, come up once, for he has told me all his heart. So the lords of the Philistine came up to her and brought the money in their hand. Then she lulled him to sleep on her knees and called for a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him and his strength left. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as before, as other times, and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed from him. Then the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters and became, and he became a grinder in the prison. Today we are continuing in our series all in, not part in, not conveniently in, not some in, not half in, not any of that, but all in. Because that's the word that God has given us for 2023. God is not looking for people who play church anymore. God is not looking for casual, Sunday-only, cultural Christians. God is looking for people who are the real deal through and through. And that's the word that God is calling us to. All in, full devotion to Christ, no matter what the cost. If it costs me friends, I'm in. If it costs me my popularity, I'm in. If it costs me money, I'm in. If it costs me opportunity, I'm in. Full devotion to Christ no matter what the cost. And today I want to talk to you about the high price of not being all in. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you minister by your great power and continue to touch people's hearts through the word and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, we pray. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. All-in Christianity may seem foreign against the current culture of consumer Christianity, but it is nonetheless authentic Christianity. It is biblical Christianity. It is normal Christianity. And anything else is nothing more than a sham version settled for by people who wanted to buy in without selling out. 
Moreover, all in Christianity is what Christ himself espoused to anyone who wanted to follow him. To the rich young ruler, he said, sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. To his disciples, when he called them to follow him, he said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they dropped their nets, they left their boat, they left their families, and they followed Jesus. And to each of us, modern day Christians, he says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to lose his life will find it, but whoever desires to gain his life will lose it. Make no mistake about it. Christianity, true Christianity is all in. It is full devotion to Jesus no matter what the cost. And when you go all in, when you sell out to the cause of Christ, the rewards are unparalleled and unprecedented. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory. It is a peace that passes all understanding. It is sonship and friendship with not just a human being, but with the God of the universe. It is the inner assurance of of a fulfilled destiny and a life well lived. It is confidence of knowing that you have an advocate and an intercessor. It is an identity that comes not based on human constructs, but understanding that you are made in the image and the likeness of God. It is having a place of refuge and a strong tower to run to in times of trouble. It is walking in the reality of one's right standing with the Father. It is having a grace on your life that is sufficient, an anointing on your life that is bondage breaking. It is the assurance that you have his ever present help with you and that you are laying up treasures for yourself in heaven. Time does not permit me to espouse all of the benefits of going all in, but I really want to talk to you about the cost of not going all in. And when you see the cost of not going all in, you'll realize that it's really just a insignificant amount to pay for the life that God wants to give you. Enter exhibit A. Who is he? Samson. Samson was somebody that played around with the things of God. When we say the name Samson, everybody, even the casual Christian, knows who he is. If I told you the name of the first 11 judges of the Bible, hardly anybody would recognize any of their names, perhaps Deborah. But other than that, most people would not know their names or remember their names. However, we know who Samson is. Samson was the he-man with the she-weakness, right? Samson is the one, ladies, she's the, he's the one that, you know, Fabio supposedly looks like, the long hair and you know, the, the magazine cover. For the guys, he's what we wished we looked like. 12-pack, bulging biceps, traps that are popping out, the man bun in the back. You know, all of that kind of stuff. Samson is that, but Samson was the 12th judge of Israel. He was set apart from his mother's womb for a special purpose. His special purpose was to deliver Israel from Philistine captivity. And so special was the purpose of Samson that he was set apart from birth with a Nazarene vow. And amongst other things, his head could not be shaven. If his head was shaven, he would lose his strength. His hair was not his strength. The supernatural power of God on his life was his strength. And by the way, can I just tell you that whenever the supernatural power of God is on your life, you will have to give up something. 
You will have to determine that you're not going to do X, but rather you are going to go all in on Y. God's power does not just show up on anybody. God's power is a confirmation of his presence in the life of an individual. And in order for us to receive and flow in the true power of God, there are going to be some things that we're going to have to set apart ourselves in. And the problem with the church is we want the power of God, but we want to still live like the world. And Samson is that person who is the prototypical example of somebody who played around with the things of God. Samson's strength was a a type or a, a, a signification of the supernatural power and cause and purpose for which God set him apart. And can I push the pause button and just tell you that there is a supernatural purpose for your life. There is a dream that is dreaming you. You are not the result of a a plasma swimming in a puddle. You are not the result of an uncaused explosion. You are not the result of random chance. You are the result of highly sophisticated, intelligent design. God purpose you. God plans you. Your evidence, your your existence is evidence that this world needs something that you possess. There is a dream dreaming you. You are here on assignment. You are here for a cause. You didn't just pop, poof, appear. God put you here. Samson was put here for a purpose. And when God had Samson set apart for his purpose, God's sign of that purpose was the supernatural strength on his life. When we think about Samson, many people think he looked like the rock. I don't think he looked like the rock. I think he looked like Pee Wee Herman. Say, what are you talking about, Pastor? Well, think about it. If he looked like the rock, would you say, wow, where's all his strength coming from? You look at him and go, I can see why he's strong. But how many of you know when something comes out of you that people don't expect from you, that is a true sign that God's power is on you. And so when Samson did the things that he did, they constantly look at him and say, where's he get that power? Where's he get that strength? Imagine somebody, you know, who looks like Pee Wee Herman, Herman beating up like 3,000 people at the same time, you know. I mean, this was somebody who defied what he looked like. And one of the signs that you have tapped into your destiny is when what comes out of you defies what people expect expect from you. I remember going back to high school, you know, um, to the area where I went to high school and you run into friends and so on and so forth. And the question always comes up, what do you do for a living? You should see their mouths when I tell them what I do. They say, you're a what? I said, a pastor. They said, a who? I said, a pastor. They said, what that? I, I said, it's like a priest, but it's a little different. Come on, y'all religious? You, you, you. Yeah, every week I get up and I tell people what the word of God has to say. And I teach people to live a life that honors God in every way. You do that, but that's not what you were like in high school. When what comes out of you defies what people expect to see from you. You know you have tapped into your destiny, and that was Samson. He had supernatural strength, not because of his hair, but because of his destiny. And and Samson um, is somebody who was hated by the Philistines. They hated him because of his destiny. They hated him because of no matter what they tried, they couldn't stop him. He took, he told riddles they couldn't solve. He burned down fields by setting fire to foxes' tails and sending them into the fields. He killed thousands with the bones of animals. He ripped up their city gates from their foundation. And each time and they wondered, what is the secret to Pee Wee Herman's strength? No matter what they tried, they couldn't stop Samson. But Samson was a player. Samson fooled around with the things of God. 
Samson was like some of us some of the time, and sadly, many of us most of the time. Samson was in on God when it was convenient. Samson was in on God when he needed something. Samson was in on God when he needed God to show up. But when he didn't need God to show up, when he wasn't fighting against a problem, when he wasn't fighting against the Philistines, Samson was living wheels off. Samson was dabbling in this and dabbling in that. The Nazarene vow required that he didn't touch anything dead. But Samson, we're going to see, touched dead animals and he ate honey from a lion's carcass. The Nazarene vow was that he couldn't drink wine. But guess where Samson was hanging out? He was hanging out at the vineyards. By the way, if you hang around something long enough that you're not supposed to, eventually it will pull you into its grips. The problem with too many people is we're too friendly with the things of the world. We're too friendly with sin. We overestimate our ability to stand against things. And so we get around something and we become Christian players. We become Christian people who flirt with these things. And then we come back to God. God, I need your strength now. God, I need your strength now. And that was Samson. He was in one day and out the next day. And and oftentimes, what was amazing is God would anoint Samson. And Samson got fooled because he thought God was okay. But what he was doing, because God was still anointing him. I just spoke to somebody. Because sometimes we think God's okay with it. Sometimes we think, God, you know what? This must be no big deal because God answered my prayer anyway. God gave me the opportunity. God opened the door anyway. Can I tell you something? It takes a minute for the grace to lift. That's how strong the grace of God is. But there is a high price for not being all in. Number one, you will not discern the Delilahs that are sent into your life. Who is Delilah? Delilah is anything that is sent in your life to destroy your destiny. Anything sent into your life to destroy your destiny. She was, Samson was sleeping with the enemy. He didn't even know it. Delilah was sent. Who is Delilah? She could be a man. She could be a woman. She could be an attitude. She could be a weakness. She could be a vice, a drug, a habit. She could be alcohol. She could be weed. She could be the need to succeed. She could be a person, a relationship, somebody that you need to distance yourself from. It's whatever is sent into your life to destroy your destiny. And make no mistake about it, Delilah is sent. Delilah doesn't just wander into your life because your destiny, you're going to see in a minute, always has a stalker. There's always somebody after your destiny. He's called the enemy of our soul. The Bible says be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, walketh around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Destiny always has a stalker. She's always sent into your life. Judges chapter 16 verse 4 says after what had happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah and the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said entice him and find out where his great strength lies and by what means we may overpower him that we may bind him and afflict him and every one of us will give you 1100 pieces of silver. Delilah didn't just wander into Samson's life. She was sent. She didn't come to have fun. She didn't come to play. She didn't come to fornicate. She came to take him down. Everything that is not of God that is sent into your life has one purpose. To steal, to kill, and to destroy the destiny, the amazing destiny, the abundant life that God wants to give you. But when you are not all in, You are desensitized to Delilah. And Delilah comes customized. 
See, the reason why I say destiny has a stalker is because the enemy will watch you and then he will send into your life what you are susceptible to. Look at what James says. James 1.14 says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Delilah was customized. She came into Samson's life, by the way, after Samson lost his first wife. Samson's first wife was killed by the Philistines and Samson had an empty hole. He had a space that needed to be filled and he was trying to fill that with all of the wrong stuff. How many of you know that's us, right? When we feel that emptiness, when we feel that that unfulfillment, we try to look for it in all sorts of things. We look for it in habits. We look for it in success, in occupations, in all of these things. But there is only one thing that can satisfy that hole in our hearts and it is a personal committed relationship with Jesus Christ. Every other thing comes up lacking. And so she watches Samson. She sees Samson's got a hole for relationships in our heart. And what does he do? He sends Delilah, the hit man called Delilah. She's a hitman because she didn't come to have fun. She's a hitman because she came to destroy. Every time something wanders into your life that you know is not of God, cut it off at the root because the longer you hang around it, the harder it is to part from it. She was sent into his life. And what happens is when we are not all in, we become desensitized to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Do you know we have the most precious gift of all, the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us? You know what his job is? To lead us and guide us into all truth. And yet what happens when we allow all these things into our life, when we begin to pull away from God, when we're only some in and not all in, we can't even see the things that have been sent into our lives to destroy us. The Holy Spirit is supposed to be wisdom beyond what is worldly. You are supposed to be able, we are supposed to be able to read a thing and say, nope, I'm not in on that. Yes, I'm in on that. No, God, I don't know why God says no, but God says no. I don't know why God says go this way, but I'm going this way. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is supposed to lead us. And when we are not all in, we can't see when Delilah is sent into our life. Number two, when we are not all in, we will not recognize the slow fade. What do you mean the slow fade? The slow fade is how we gradually become distanced from God. It doesn't happen overnight. Nobody wakes up one day going, I'm not going to church anymore. Here's what happened. They go, ah, I'm just going to sit and sleep and have some pancakes this morning. I mean, I go most of the time. And then, ah, you know, that was kind of fun. Maybe I'll do that again. And you know, Sunday's kind of like my only day, so I'll just watch online. And that slow fade all of a sudden sets in, and before you know it, you ain't even visiting the house of God anymore. God has become something different. It's a slow fade where we give our hearts away. Samson wasn't stupid, but yet he didn't know he was sleeping with the enemy. He was a judge. He was smart. He was a leader. He was equipped, but he couldn't see Delilah because he was drifting from God. And the way Samson drifted are many. Samson one day takes a trip with his parents. And they go down to a vineyard. Let's read it. Judges chapter 14, verse number 6. Samson went down to Timnah with his father and mother. He came to the vineyards of Timnah. 
Now to his surprise, a young lion came roaring against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he tore the lion apart as one would have torn a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. Now watch this. What I love about this is he's going where he's not supposed to go, and yet God still anoints him anyway. Can you see how much God loves us? God sometimes protects us from ourselves. God sometimes protects us from ourselves. He's like, Samson, you ain't supposed to be going here. And this could not, this could wind up bad because that lion could have killed you. But because I know what I've called you to, and because I know the end from the beginning, I'm going to cause my anointing to come on you to protect you until your mind gets right again. Come on, doesn't God do that for us? Aren't you great, God? Aren't you happy? God does that for us. And then it says, and he did not tell his father and mother. He ripped that lion apart like somebody would rip apart a young goat, though he had nothing in his hand. And he did not tell his father or mother what had happened. Then he went down and talked with the woman. And she pleased Samson well. That's code for he was kicking it with harlots. After some time, when he returned to get her, he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, a swarm of bees and honey were in the carcass of the lion. He took some of it in his hands, and he went along eating. Here's what Samson did. Look at me. I'm living a life. Lions come against me. They can't stop me. I got God on my side. Meanwhile, I'm kicking it with harlots. I'm eating honey from a dead carcass, and I'm drinking alcohol, and I'm not supposed to. Samson couldn't even see that he was walking away from God because here's what happens when you're not all in. A slow fade sets in. It's not one big thing. It's little by little. How many of you know big things happen by consistently doing small things in our life? And when we consistently open the door and open the door and open the door, bam, it becomes an entrance point into our life for the enemy of our soul to send a Delilah in to destroy our destiny. Used to be, Pastor... I was in church every week, but now I barely show up. That's drift. Used to be I got so much out of the message, but every now and again I feel like you don't preach as good as you as you once did. That's slow drift. Used to be that the worship was amazing, but now it's a little loud. That's slow drift. Used to be that I hungered for the word of God. I couldn't wait to get up in the morning and read the word, but now I haven't read it for over a month. That's slow drift. Used to be that I craved being in God's presence in prayer, but I don't have a prayer life anymore. That is slow drift. And what happens when you're not all in on God? You can't see the slow drift. Number three. When you're not all in on God, the price is you begin to experience heavy losses. Judges chapter 16, verse 21. Then the Philistines took him, put out his eyes, brought him down to Gaza. They bound him with bronze fetters, and he became a grinder in the, in the prison. Look at the losses. Number one, loss of control. They took him. They led him by the hand. Something that was weaker than Samson is now controlling Samson. When something that is weaker than you is controlling you, you have drifted away from God. What are those weaker things, those addictions, those things that we have to have, those things that take the place of God? It is an indication that we have drifted. The loss of vision, they put out his eyes. For us, it's not that we can't see uh, physically, but it's that we lose our spiritual sight. We lose the ability to see the vision that God has for our life. We lose our ability to see the great future God has for our life, and we settle for less than They poked out his eyes. The loss of position. The Bible says they brought him down. He was a judge, and now he's a prisoner. When you go backward in life, 
Not because you're making a sacrifice for God, but unexpectedly and out of nowhere, you start taking on losses. It's a sign that you've drifted from God. Loss of mobility. He can't move because he can't see. What happens is it stops our spiritual growth when we drift from God. It stops us from progressing in the life God has. And loss of status from a judge to a prisoner, you start taking on losses. There's a high price a big cost to not being all in. You might be here today and say, well, pastor, what if I do? If I was all in and now I'm all out, how do I get back to all in? Let me give you four things. Number one, remember you still have a destiny. Remember you still have a destiny. Every destiny has a hitman. Insecurity over stuttering was the hitman sent to take Moses out. Jealousy was the hitman sent to take Joseph out. Jezebel was the hitman sent to take Elijah out. Prostitution was the hitman sent to take Rahab out. Fear was the hitman sent to take Gideon out. Haman was the hitman sent to take Esther out. Goliath was the hitman sent to take David out. The lion's den was the hitman sent to take Daniel out. Doubt was the hitman sent to take Thomas out. Rumor was the hitman sent to take Mary out. Shame was the hitman sent to take Peter out. And betrayal by the hands of Judas was the hitman sent to take Jesus out. Every destiny has a hitman. Something will come into your life in order to destroy your destiny. And when it does, let it remind you of your destiny. When you see the hitman show up, instead of going along for the ride, stand still and say, ah, that's a sign. That's a sign that I got a destiny and my destiny is worth fighting for. For every destiny, there's a hitman. Let it remind you there's still a dream dreaming you. Let it remind you that you are not here by accident. Let it remind you that God's plan for your life is abundantly wonderful. And there is no better life than the life that God has planned for you. Let that hitman remind you that you still have a destiny. Number two, remember that no matter what the cost, God can work it on out. No matter what the cost, no matter what the situation God can work it on out. Verse 25 says, so it happens when their hearts were married that they said, call for Samson that he may perform for us. By the way, what happens when you drift from God is you begin performing for the enemy. When you drift from God, you you, you start performing for the enemy. Every time you leave a trail of ungodliness, you're performing for the enemy. The enemy is sitting there going, look at this. I love this. I love this. Look what I just got them to do. Every time we don't lead our homes right, we're performing for the enemy. Anytime we don't treat our spouses right, we're performing for the enemy. Anytime we swindle and steal and cut a corner, we're performing for the enemy. Anytime we abuse alcohol, we're performing for the enemy. Anytime we smoke weed, we're performing for the enemy. There's a lot of performers for the enemy that sit in church every week. Come on, somebody, you want a good message or you want you want an easy message? Which message do you want? You want something that's going to bring you to a higher place? Stop performing for the enemy. And so they called Samson to perform for us. And then they called him from the prison. And he performed for them. And they stationed him between two pillars. Then Samson said to the lad who held him by the hand, let me feel the pillars which support the temple so that I can lean on them. See, it looked like Samson was too far gone, but he wasn't. 
It looked like Samson was down, but he wasn't out. It looked like God had left Samson, but he didn't. It looked like he had no way, but God is a God who makes a road in the ocean and puts a river in the desert. He works in ways we cannot see, and he will make a way for me. God is a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. God will make a way. Say, Pastor, where did he make the way? He put a little kid at Samson's side. See, if somebody would have came in with guns blazing, there would have been a fight. So what God did is he slid into Samson's DM. He put a little kid right next to him. And Samson looked at the kid. He said, can you get me to the pillars? Can I tell you when it looks like you're out, God is positioning you at the pillars of your destiny. Can you get me to the, God went incognito. God went undercover. God went inconspicuous. God went in a way that the enemy couldn't even see what God is up to. Listen to me. If you can't see the hand of God, never think God is not working because God doesn't announce deliverance. God just does it. God goes undercover and God will do whatever he needs to do to deliver you from your situation he will make a way if God's got to send a whale to catch you in the ocean God will make a way if God's got to send an earthquake a wind and a fire to get you to hear a still small voice he will if he's got to send a widow woman to feed you if he's got to send ravens to provide for you put a coin in a fish's mouth in order to give you finances part the Red Sea so that you can walk through shut the mouth of lions so you can make it to the morning God will make a way God sent a boy. The Bible says a lad literally means somebody seven years old or younger. Nobody was thinking this is going to help Samson. God was saying, I got all these resources at my disposal. If you want to get back to all in, remember that God can always make a way no matter how far you've strayed. Number three, if you want to get back to all in, remember the power of prayer. Judges chapter 16 verse 27 says, now the temple was full of men and women. And the lords of the Philistine were there, about 3,000 men and women on the roof, watching while Samson performed. Then Samson called to the Lord, saying, O Lord God, remember me, I pray. Have you ever prayed like that? God, my bad. My, My fault, God, my fault. I'm sorry. I know I shouldn't have been. I know it wasn't right. I did hear your voice saying, don't do it. But I did it anyway, God. God, God, remember me. And then Samson says, strengthen me, I pray, just this once. Oh, God. God, uh, I know that I don't deserve it. And, and I know that you, you probably don't even want to hear from me. But God, if, you, if you'll answer just this one time, I promise I'll never do it again. Am I talking to anybody? It's amazing how we are all chronically human, how we all pray the same kind of way, how we all feel the same kind of way, how the enemy runs his game of shame on us every time we mess up and are, di- and are distant from God. God, I pray, strengthen me this once that I may with one blow uh, take vengeance on the Philistines for my two eyes. 
And Samson took hold of the two middle pillars which supported the temple, and he braced himself against them, one on the right and one on the left. Then Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. And he pushed with all his might, and the temple fell on the lords of all and all the people who were in it. So the dead that he killed at his death were more than he had killed in his life. Verse 17 is shocking. Then Samson prayed. Samson who brought it on himself. Samson who did everything he knew he shouldn't have done but did it anyway. Samson who was drifted, who had drifted from God. Samson who was not all in prayed and here's the beauty of it. And God heard. See the lies that the enemy tells us that cause us not to get back to all in is that when we are all out that there is no way back. But I cannot tell you something. You are just a prayer away from reconciliation with your heavenly father who loves you in a way that I can't even describe to you. And Samson prayed. And I always wondered what if Samson didn't pray the way he prayed? God, uh, can you help me so that when I die, I kill them all? What if Samson prayed, God, can you forgive me and help me to get back into my purpose? Never pray low because you're feeling low. See, one of, one of the, one of the dangers of getting low is you pray low. One of the dangers of drifting from God is you don't have an expectation for God to do amazing things in your life. And so when you're low, you pray low. But when you live a godly life, what happens is you begin to pray prayers that are on the plane of what God wants to do in your life. Because he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask, think, or imagine. Don't pray a puny prayer when you're down low. Pray a big prayer. But Samson prayed low. And God answered that prayer. God reached him in his valley. Can I tell you, God can reach you in your valley of whatever it is. Valley of divorce, valley of addiction, valley of adultery, valley of abuse, valley of sin. Reach you no matter how far you've fallen because God loves you that much. God answers the unlikely prayers of people who turn back to him. We turn back to God. We say, God, I'm coming back. God, I'm not coming back half-hearted. I'm coming back full-hearted. God, I'm not coming back half-in. I'm coming back all-in. God, I'm not coming back with reservations about you being in this part of my life and that part of my life. God, I'm coming back, and I'm giving you every part of my life. Samson prayed, and God answered his prayer. Somebody said, yeah, but he died, but he died, but he died. Oh, how earthly our understanding is. See, we think what matters most is what happens to us here on this earth. What matters most is the life that we live here on this earth in preparation for the life that we li- will live for all of eternity. Samson may have died, but he fulfilled his destiny. Can I encourage somebody? Don't you dare die with destiny left on the inside of you. Leave everything that you have on the court of life for the cause of Christ. Leave everything that you have on the court of life for the cause of Christ. Die empty. Don't die with songs in you. Don't die with books in you. Don't die with talent in you. Don't Don't die with opportunity in you. Give everything you have to God and die empty. Die knowing that you've accomplished what God put you here for. But number four, if you're going to get back to all in, remember not to lose faith in the end of the story. I love this part of the, it's my favorite part of the story of Samson. Judges chapter 16, verse 22. However, how many of you know God's always got a however? Pastor, uh, 
You know what the doctors told me? However. Pastor, you know I can't pay my bills. However. Pastor, you know my, my marriage is on the rocks. However. Pastor, you know that this depression has overwhelmed me. However, I want you to know God has always got a however to whatever your situation is. And however is God's plan to turn your situation around. If you'll pray, if you'll repent, if you'll come back to God and say, God, I'm not part in, but I'm all in. However, the hair of his head begin to grow again after it had been shaven. Here's the way I read the verse. They shaved his head. And as soon as they did, it began to grow back. As soon as they did. There's no, there's no time lapse here in the verse. The verse says, and the hair of his head began to grow back after it had been shaven. In other words, the enemy thought, done and gone. God said, I'm just bringing you back to your roots. Can I tell you what God has to do some of the time is God has to allow what it is that we've allowed into our life to get us back to our roots, to get us back to a time when we realize it's all about Jesus, to get us back to a time when we realize the success we have is because of him, the strength we have is because of him, the resources we have is because of him. God's got to take us back sometimes to our roots when we crave the word of God, when we crave the presence of God. When we craved being in the house of God. Where God wasn't an add-on, but God was the main course. God's got to take us back to our roots. A lot of people live in life like God's an add-on. You know, all these things and sprinkle in Jesus. All these things and top it with Jesus. He's not an add-on. He said, seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added on to you. The things are the add-on, the main course, the primary thing, the thing that ought to be the center is Jesus. Oh, we sing that song, but I pray that we mean it. Jesus be the center of my life, not just part of you, but all of you, not just some of you, but everything that I can get of you, Jesus. I don't want just a little bit of Jesus. I want all of Jesus. And sometimes... In order to get to that place, we got to come back to our roots. Can I tell you, for some of you, the haircut is the deliverance. For some of you, the unfortunate circumstance is the deliverance. I didn't say it was God, but I know this. God will use everything the enemy ever meant for good, to del- ever meant for evil, and turn it around for his good. He will take it, and it that was meant to destroy you will be your deliverance. Sometimes when you're back to your roots again, you realize how much you need Jesus. Because can we be real? We get too big for our own britches. We believe the press about us. And we don't realize, but but for the grace of God, there go I. They shaved his head. His hair began to grow back. But here's the part I love. The end of the story. Don't lose faith in the end of the story. Don't lose faith in the 
end of the story. I hear God saying right now, that's a word for somebody. Don't lose faith in the end of the story. You may be down, but God hasn't forgotten about you. You may think that it's over, but God is the God of a comeback. Not just one time, but time and time and time again. Samson looked bound, but he wasn't beyond the reach of God. He may have lost the battle, but the war wasn't over. Why? Don't lose faith in the end of the story. Verse 23 says, Now the lords of the Philistines gathered together to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon their God and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has delivered into our hands Samson our enemy. When the people saw him, they praised God for they said, Our God has delivered into our hands our enemy, the destroyer of our land and the one who multiplied our dead. Here's what was happening. Hell was rejoicing. Can I encourage somebody? Maybe you've walked so far that hell is rejoicing right now. Maybe you've gotten so low that hell is rejoicing and hell is going, we got him, we got him, we got him. You know what I love about the story? It shows us that hell rejoices too quickly sometimes. Hell doesn't know the kind of God that you and I serve. He, they, hell doesn't know that our God can reach to the lowest valley and also meet you at the top of the mountain. Our, our, hell doesn't know that our God is a God who will walk through the fiery furnace with you. Hell doesn't know that our God will sleep in the lion's den with you. Hell doesn't know that our God will walk through the Red Sea with you. Hell doesn't know that our God is a giant slayer. Hell doesn't know that our God will show up no matter how to show up, if he's got to go incognito and put on, put himself in the womb of a virgin, he will show up and say, I'm here to redeem my people. Don't you dare lose faith in the end of the story. God always finishes what he started. I said, our God always finishes what he started. I said, our God always finishes what he started. Come on. Stand to your feet. Let's declare it.